Hello everyone and welcome back to Daf Hashavuot. We're studying Masechus Chagiga, Daf Yud. On the very top of the Daf, before we get to uh, the Mishnah relating to Nidarim, so the Gemara talks about the challenges of figuring out what to learn. That's the way I want to uh, kind of rephrase the Gemara. As the Gemara talks about leaving one learning to go to another learning, whether it's the Bavli to the Rishami, whether it's Chumash to Gemara. And I mentioned at the very outset of this Masechta, a Sefer that I came across, the state Safon. And he has a very interesting spin on this Gemara. I'm going to take some of what he says and then go a bit beyond it in my own direction. And he says that this is really the challenge going back to the Gemara in Kiddushan. Gemara Masechah's Kiddushin talks about the requirement to divide our lives into different areas of Torah study. Literally what the Gemara says in Masechah's Kiddushin is a person should, his life should be divided, his year should be divided into Torah Shebuchtav, one third, Mishnah, second third, and finally the Gemara. It's hard to define each of these terms, at least beyond Torah Shabbatav. Does the Gemara there, Maseches Kedushin, is it referring to our Mishnah, our Gemara? And this obviously becomes a big discussion, which we won't go through all of the sources. I want to point out that in the Shulchan Aruch Arav, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, in Hilchas Tamatorah, Perik Beis Halacha Aleph, the Shulchan Aruch Harav, this is in the Kuntras Achron, the Shulchan Aruch Harav contrasts the Rambam's approach to this issue with Rashi and Rabbeinu Asher. And the contemporary question is, what does it mean dividing your years? Most likely, the way we would play that out is dividing one's days. However, there's a very important Lecha Mishnah. The Rambam discusses these issues in Hilchas Torah. In, in fact, in the very beginning of Hilchas Torah, where the Rambam addresses these issues in the first parak, especially in Halacha Yud Aleph and Halacha Yud Beis. And the Lecha Mishnah says that when the Rambam talks about dividing the years, and then he breaks it down into dividing the days, it may depend on it what stage of a life a person is in. You're not going to take a little kid and start dividing the day. So it could be that based on where a person is in life, his maturity, the mental capacity, will be studying different areas at those times. You just see how halachalamaisa, this is when a yeshiva or an individual has to establish the curriculum for the day. What I wanted to get to, and I thought that was uh, really the beautiful insight from the Sefer, Stats of Home, who doesn't deal with all of the issues that I mentioned, is where does halacha fit into this? This is already discussion in interpreting the Rambam. When the Rambam says Mishnah, maybe it really means halacha, maybe Talmud means something else. And the question, of course, that comes up, are people properly learning enough halacha? Some people are under the impression that we'll either ask 
Rabbanim Shailas of Halacha, or we'll decide the Halacha after learning through the Gemara. And that's obviously not going to work out. The Prisha and the Shach in Yerodea, the Shulchan Aruch discusses these issues in Yerodea, Simon Reish Mem Vav Siftali, both point out that a person has to learn Halacha. Sheikr who lumod besifrei haposkim ve'inam yotzin yidechovas talmatora belimod gemara rashi v'tosvos. That part of the goal, significant part of the goal, is talmatora is lumod lasos, and people today are not going to be able to get to the bottom line halacha by studying gemara. So there needs to be, I guess, what we're doing in this year, an aspect of studying halacha l'maisa. You see this also in the Shalos and Shuvos of the Rimi Gash. The Rimi Gash is one of the most important Rishonim. Some suggest he was actually a Rebbe of the Rambam. I think the historians disagree with that, but he clearly had an influence on the Rambam. The Rambam discusses him in his uh, Hakdamala Mishnah, how the Rimi Gash uh, amazes the Rambam, the beautiful Lushan that he uses. He lived... Rabbi Yosef ibn Migash in the 11th century, 1077 to 1141, according to uh, some of our data. And he was a huge Rav Posek, Rosh Hashiva, in Spain. Now he's dealing before this Rashi and Tosfos. And he writes in the Shailas Hachuvas of the Rimi Gashtim and Kufnun Dalit that there are many people that are learning Gemara, but they're not listening or they're not reading the Psak of the Gaonim. And he says it's a big mistake. He says, we have this uh, copy of his tshuva, so I think we have at least 200 tshuvas of the Rimigash. People should stop thinking that they could determine the halacha from the Gemara. At least the common person or even the learned person unless imam is a person who's a, a pose. And he says it's better to be able to read halachas and know the halachas and know how to translate that into practical life than spending your time learning Gemara and not being able to come up with the right halachic practice. Now this all goes back to our Gemara, it goes back to the Rambam, to the Gemara and Kiddushin, that we don't exclusively focus on halachalamasa, but we can't ignore halacha l'masa. This is uh, highlighted in the Mishnah Bura, who only wrote on Arachayim, and this is a big issue when it comes to Hilfa Shabbos, where the Mishnah Bura writes, in Simen Kuf Nun Hei, Sif Katan Gimel, very much in line with the Shach that we saw before, Shabal Abatim Sheyesh Lahem Rak Gimel Vidal Shos Bayom, if a Balabayas only has three or four hours a day to learn, only three or four hours a day to learn, Alehem Lumo Gam Poskim, they have to learn Halacha. And the amazing, if you want to read into what the Mishnah Buru is saying, is obviously Gemara is part of Talmud Torah. But if you don't end up at a certain point in your own learning with Psach, he seems to claim that even the learning of Gemara may not fit into the category of Talmud Torah. That would need a lot more analysis, and maybe we're reading too much into it.
but this gets into our Gemara. It was generated by these thoughts in Maseches Chagiga Daf Yud before the Mishnah that we're about to deal with. The Mishnah in Daf Yud is a very fascinating Mishnah. The Mishnah makes a number of statements about halachos that are either, as we see towards the end of the Mishnah, explicitly spelled out, or in the beginning of the Mishnah, certain areas of halacha that are extremely vague. The Me'iri says that the way we get into this discussion is because in the middle category you have the Chagiga, and once we're dealing with the Chagiga, we're going to deal with other mitzvahs that could be analyzed along these lines. The first mitzvah that is analyzed is Nadar, where the mitzvah tell, Mishnah tells us that the halachas of Nadarim are hanging in the air. Just on a basic level, what's happening here brings us back to the Pasuk in Bamidbar, in Pashas Matos, Periklamid Pasuk Gimel, where Ishki Yidah Nedra Lashem, O Yishav Ashur, Lesser Yisrael Nafsho, O Yachel Tevaro, the Losase of not keeping one's word. Assuming that it's in the context of a neder or a shrua, the chol hayotzimipeviasa, and the positive said everything that you say you should, you will do, you should do. And there's a general aversion historically to nedarim, even to studying the halachas of nedarim and mesechus nedarim, which I've discussed in the past, because of the concern that people would violate nedarim and shruas. Uh, we sometimes take for granted or maybe we live in a society where people don't keep their word as much as they should, that we don't see necessarily the significance and the warnings of such an approach. In the Sefer Hasidim, Simon Tafchaf, so here we're talking about a Rishon, so he says, Rishonim, maybe in the good old days, and he doesn't mean the Rishonim here as far as uh, Gaonim, Rishonim, Akronim, but the earlier authorities, Maybe they had the power to make an adornment to keep them. That we're concerned about the violation, so we don't go into nadar. We don't make nadar. There is a simon in the Shulchan Aruch that addresses this topic. When nadarim would be allowed, when nadarim would not be allowed. I just wanted to read you the title of the Simon of the Shulchan Aruch. It's a very fascinating uh, title. It's in Shulchan Aruch Yerdea, Hilchus Nadarim Simon Reish Gimel. And it has seven seifim. But if you listen to the first seif, Altihi Ragobanadarim, you see already here that there is some times where Nadar would be allowed. But the uh, Shulchan Aruch himself quotes from the Gemara that Kol Hanodar Apopisha Mekaimo, Nikra Rasha, Benikra Chote. So it's going to be a little bit of a, a cash 22. Maybe it's the right thing to do, but even if you do it and you fulfill it, it's really based on what the Gemara says in Masechus Nadar, and you're going to be called a Russian Achote. The title of the Shulchan Aruch of this Simon is Ezed Nadarim Meshuvachim Ve'ezahem Megunim. Right? Which Nadarim are praiseworthy, which seems to say that there is a value in making Nadarim at certain times and which ones are considered to be negative. The general practice today is not to make nadarim. What's being implied here by many of the sources is that if one does make a nadar, then one should get out of the nadar. And there are a couple of ways to get out of uh, nadarim. 
I'm not going to go through all the details. I want to focus on one interesting insight that comes up within the halachas of the Nadarim, and that is when a neder is made out of kas, out of anger. And we'll use as an opportunity to talk a little bit about anger. Um, it's actually not such a rare situation within the realm of Nadarim. I was just thinking about this in light of an incredible Ibn Ezra on this coming week's Parsha. The shir will be sent out before Pasha's Ve'ira. And in the beginning of uh, Sefer Shemos and Ve'ira, Paragvav Pasha Gimel, the Torah tells us that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu that he should tell Paro and Vayitzavim El Bnei Yisrael. He's telling Moshe and Aaron that they should tell Paro and the Bnei Yisrael to take themselves out of Egypt. What does it mean take the Bnei Yisrael out of Egypt as far as the Bnei Yisrael? They're not the protagonists over here. So the amazing Ibn Ezra says, That don't get angry with Klai Yisrael. They could frustrate you. They're in a state of uh, slavery. They have a slave mentality. Try not to get angry at them. But we're going to see in the realm of Nadarim, anger is not enough of a reason to say that the Nadir was made in an unconscionable way. You know that in the realm of contracts, both in Jewish law and in secular as well, there's certain times that you could undermine the validity of the contract by the mental state. You're not going to be able to say this when it comes to anger. Now, it may be enough of a basis for Hataris Nadarim or Hafaris Nadarim, but not to say that the Nadir doesn't imply. I also thought about this because there was a case you may have seen uh, last week in the paper of a person who was killed, was actually given the death penalty in Texas. And one of the ways that his lawyers tried to get out of the death penalty is to say that he wasn't properly represented. He had killed, uh, I think it was his ex-wife. I don't usually get into such details, but a very interesting case. And his lawyers had used a defense that he had disappointment rage. I think that was the term that was used. And that was the basis of his killing, that somehow it should take away from the mens rea. And the courts didn't accept that the anger would be of enough basis. Now, then his new set of lawyers said that he should have uh, not had such a defense. That was a weak defense that was used. At the end of the day, he ended up being killed. Now, we're not comparing the two, but anger does not become a defense. It may be a basis to be matir than Nadir or hafar Nadarim. So something to keep in mind when we come to halachas of Nadarim. I wanted to end with one halachalamasa of Nadarim. You know, the Gemara talks here about the need to spell things out. Varm Dvarim happens to be when it comes to tzedakah, if a person makes a commitment to give a pledge, then they have to fulfill that pledge. But there's another halacha that comes up in a darim, which is uh, very relevant, and that is as far as pledges to tzedakah. There's a whole debate about making pledges on Shabbos. And the Shulchan Aruch in Simon Shin Vav, we also deal with some Hilcha Shabbos over here 
in this Mishnah, but the Shulchan Aruch and Hilchah Shemit Vav says that even though we're not allowed to speak about business on Shabbos, if it's Cheshbono Shel Mitzvah, V'lif Sedaka, then you are allowed. The nature of this Mekach Memkar is somewhat debated, and there will be certain situations where there'll be Halachag Nafgaminas about whether it's a business even if it's allowable, or if it is something else. And that's what's mentioned by the Magen Avraham. The Magen Avraham looks at the whole thing as a neder, and he says that the Minog in Austria was that because it's a neder and not a deal, which means a person who makes a pledge in a situation where they were having a auction to get a leos, if one person claimed, said a hundred, and another person said a thousand, he felt that the person who even said person who said a hundred should still give because because whatever you were willing to give, that is as if it's a neder to tzedakah. It's incredible. Relating to this, the Yerach HaShulchan in Shin Vav, Sif Tezayin, as we pointed out many times, the Yerach HaShulchan follows the same simanim as the Shulchan Aruch in the Torah, but not the same sifim. And he says, Ha-mitzvos, he says there are still, despite what it says in the Shulchan Aruch, people who object to selling aliyos and selling mitzvos. This literally looks like we're doing business. He says, It's not business. He's saying it's a neder. A neder that's tied into if you get what you are looking for, then you are willing to pledge the money. He doesn't necessarily agree with the Magin Avraham that you would have to give because it is conditioned on you giving only when you get what you want. But just to show you that even though we generally dissuade people from being involved in the Dharam and Shavuos, Tzedakah is an exception in a number of areas, both as far as the commitment, that it is a neder, even if you haven't spelled it straight out, and as far as pledges to charity, that we may dissuade people from being engaged in finances on Shabbos, but if we look at it as a neder, then it's not even categorized as mekach memkar, it's only categorized as dvar mitzvah. So the Aruch HaShulchan would not have to rely on the exception of the Shulchan Aruch, who says it is a business deal, Lutzarech Mitzvah. The Aruch HaShulchan and others would say it's just pure Lutzarech Mitzvah. There's a lot more to say on this daf, famous Machlokas, with Malachas Machsheves, Malachas Shainas Rechelagufa, but I wanted to touch on some of the Nadarim issues, which is the way we started the Mishnah, and we'll continue with some more discussions on the next staff and circle back to the halachos of Chagiga that are relevant to us today.